0: The conservative conscience. And welcome back, The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Harowitz in the house here at CR's Northern Command. It is Monday, September 25th, and glad to be here with you today, your oasis of truth and common sense. Really, this island in a desert of half truths, lack of passion, lack of commitment, lack of principle. And no, I'm not even talking about the left, I'm talking about the pseudo conservative movement in Washington. Now, there's a lot to get to. I took a long weekend last week, so I'm really still catching up on things. And it's funny. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I come back, and the biggest thing everyone's talking about in politics is not a political issue, Um, although everything gets politicized. It's the whole football business. And, you know, look, the NFL, obviously, they're a bunch of liberal dirtbags. Um, You know, they have no problem with people expressing liberal views, but they have problems with the, the players expressing... Anything patriotic, uh, but th- th- there's nothing we can do politically, public policy wise. I mean, it's a matter of just boycotting these clowns, um, don't watch them. But, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get taken in by Trump putting so many conservative policy ideas or leaving them, I'm sorry, leaving those ideas on the table. And downright pursuing the left's agenda on many, many issues, but then placating us with this political morphine. Oh man, look how great Trump is taking it to the NFL. I mean, that's lovely, but you know, while while this man is siding with the political class, with McConnell, with Karl Rove on the most important Senate race of our generation, I cannot understate the importance of this. I'm not gonna spend much time on it today. Because obviously tomorrow night, it's going to be all over. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'll you know, focus my analysis on, on what actually happens. There's no point now speculating. But the point is, Roy Moore is still going to need your money no matter what. Hopefully, he's going to pull it out. Um, and by the way, you guys listening to me here have been ahead of the curve. We've been talking about him not only since the beginning of this race when no one else was, but really last year we had him on. When he was the one man to stand up to the tyrannical courts, he was being thrown out for standing up to the redefinition of marriage, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. And we're actually going to talk about that a lot in our discussion about immigration today. Uh, as always, how consequential the courts are, where they shouldn't be, and how important a man like Roy Moore speaks to the agenda that Trump claims to have adopted on immigration claims to be frustrated about the courts. Well, here's a man that came along and wants to go ahead and strip the courts of their jurisdiction. And yet he rejects him and supports this Luther stranger guy. Um, You know, all I could tell you is they've been throwing millions of dollars of ads at Roy Moore. Roy Moore is the biggest dirtbag and liberal you could imagine Um, if you would listen to those TV ads. Every mailer... In other words, there's not a single Republican voter in the state that hasn't been pummeled with mailers and TV ads every minute. And keep in mind, it's pretty effective because it's not a campaign season. You know, this is no man's land. It's a special election. So naturally... When whenever you have a campaign season, there's fists being you know flying all directions, people running ads in all different direction, directions, all different races. So it kind of gets lost in the clutter. Here, a hundred percent of it is pinpointed against Roy Moore, you know, except for the one or two positive ads he has about himself, the little money he was able to raise. So he's going to need more money, um, no matter what. Uh, I still think he's going to pull it out, even though they clearly narrowed the gap from all this. But the lesson it demonstrates is that anyone with any less name branding that Roy Moore had, which is most of our candidates, they they will not survive the onslaught. These vermin do the exact opposite of what they run on in Washington. Then when we try to challenge them, they say we're corrupt and liberal. And no one ever heard of our people, so they believe it. So anyway, that's what's going on there. I still think that the biggest result is not that they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. But I do think they're going to try to weaken him so much that perhaps it will give the Democrats a shot. I know that sounds weird in Alabama, but it is a special election. They're running this guy that has no record but claims he's a moderate. He'll get a lot of money. Um, who knows what could happen? So Rory Moore is going to need our support. Um, but with no further ado, I want to get to our main topic today. You know, Donald Trump, one of the things he said during the campaign that I think really endeared him to his voters was when he said, America has become a dumping ground for the rest of the world. We're either a nation or we're not. We're either either a country or not a country. And that was the non-politically correct straight talk that people have been looking for, people, people have been starving for. You know, this really speaks in many respects to the thesis of my book, Stolen Sovereignty, that we were a sovereign nation. And for 200 years, we had... Both legally and politically, ethically, morally, values wise, our immigration was geared towards the principle that we only bring in those that love our Republican values, that love the Judeo Christian values of America, that will enhance our society. Yet, you know, among the good immigrants we've still brought in, we brought in a tremendous amount both legally and illegally criminals, violent people, rapists, murderers. Um, and then terrorists, Sharia adherents, and we're half halfway to becoming like Europe. Meaning both having Europe's Muslim immigration problem and then our own you know, problems from south of the border. And, you know, that that really resonated because everyone knows that's true. And Trump always said, we're not bringing our best people, you know, the, the bringing in the best people from Mexico or bringing in the worst for for the most part. And he took a lot of hits for that, but the reality is he was right. Um, My my contention was he was never going to do that. And now we're seeing there's a lot of different things converging. There's the setting of the refugee cap, the annual FY 2018 refugee cap, which Trump, as of this recording, still has not set it. Um, Look, maybe by the time I put this out, he will. But they're, they're discussing 40,000, 50,000. It should be zero. There's no reason we should be bringing in any more refugees, especially after bringing, bringing in so many. We need to cool off. Um, it's just the program's outdated. Uh, there's nothing pressing that we need to bring into America that can't be resettled in their land. They, you know, we're long past the fall of the Soviet Union or the Vietnam War. There's just no reason for it. There is no reason for it. Period. But, you know... And this is, you know, we hear about the, there's the courts, there's Congress, there's this, there's that. This is something he can do unilaterally. There's no excuses. But this is where conservatives are so bad at negotiating. And and this is a theme I'm going to bring up a lot today and, you know, in the, in the coming days when we talk about health care as well. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Conservatives are happy with, oh, well, at least it's, it's a little better than Obama. Well, yeah, but you're leaving so much on the table. He could shut it all off. And there's a big difference between shutting off the refugee cap completely versus setting it a little lower because, you know, the next president will just set it much higher to make up for the lost ground. Whereas once you end this racket for a couple of years, it's going to be very hard for them to recover. The, the resettlement contractors will go out of business. So um, that's what he should be doing. We'll find out what he does, but clearly that's not what they're doing. It's gonna be either 40000 or 50000 But then... You know, lost in the shuffle, I'm the only one talking about this. We'll link to this in show notes, my article on this. Trump agreed to bring in the 1,200 or so refugees, really illegal immigrants from Australia that Australia rejected their regis and were bringing them in. Now, yes, I know Obama forged the deal, but it's not binding on the next president. When did Democrats ever honor conservative commitments? Never. There's no reason for it. Now, a deal is something that's two ways. You get something in return. We call it the Australian refugee deal, but it's kind of like the Pelosi-Schumer debt ceiling deal. We got nothing in return. It's (laughs) one-sided. It's funny. You know what we get in return? They say there's some Central Americans that Australia will agree to take in. And by the way, they're not even people that landed on our shores yet. They're people sitting in a refugee camp in Costa Rica. (laughs) <laughs> but so now we're responsible for the entire world, and by them agreeing to take some of them, hey, we'll go and bring in 1200 of your worst people. Now, it's so ironic because Australia had the same problem as us, except mainly they'd come by boat from you know Indonesia, these type of countries, mainly Muslim countries, and they said that's it. We are not taking you in anymore. We're not dealing with our crazy courts. We're not dealing with – we are going to detain you on an island in New Guinea or off of New Guinea, um, and we're going to keep you there. We're not even going to allow you in the country to adjudicate your case here because this is the problem that's happening in America. That they just flood our borders. People forget. They think it's just the question of the fifty to 100,000 refugees we bring in a year. But we have 277,000 asylum cases pending, a tenfold increase from the beginning of Obama's term, a sixfold increase from just four or five years ago. They come in here, they say I have a credible fear, and then – Done. They're here, and even though they're not granted green cards until they're adjudicated, that could take years. But they disappear into our population, and they serve as a uh, as a public charge among the many other categories of immigrants. Basically, anyone could come here, and we cannot get rid of them. It takes forever. They we have the immigration both the immigration art you know the DOJ uh, administrative judges and then the Article Three immigration judges or Article Three judges that go and, and grant them bail, they abscond, they never show up, then they disappear into our population, and then they commit all sorts of crimes. Then you got the sanctuary cities, where ICE can't even retrieve them, then even the communities that ICE wants to retrieve them now, you have the court saying you can't. This is stolen sovereignty. This is America becoming a dumping ground. So now, willingly, we're bringing in another 1,200 more, when Australia is trying to defend their sovereignty. And ironically, instead of learning from Australia's example, meaning we should stop bringing them in right away. We should house them all, you know, on some island so we don't have these problems. Instead, we're bringing in their Regis. I mean, I, I just, I can't believe we're doing this and nobody is raising hell nobody is nobody's saying anything what am i missing tell me guys are you seeing this anywhere else because i i certainly can't find it anywhere I'm, i'm just so frustrated about this anyway who are these refugees who are they Let me read you here from Nayla Rush, who's a fabulous researcher at the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, She wrote a report on this a couple months ago. So, you know, it's titled, Riots, Mental Illness, Sexual Assault Allegations. Following an inspection of the Manus and Nauru detention camps, these are the places in in New Guinea where the Australians are uh, housing them, UN experts conclude that the level of mental illness on both islands was alarming. During... The UN High Commissioner's April 2016 visit to Manus Island, medical experts found that 88% of asylum seekers and refugees surveyed were suffering from a depressive or anxiety disorder and or post-traumatic stress disorder. Furthermore, a number of very severe um, psychiatric disorders were identified. Um, All sorts of good stuff here. I'm just kind of skipping around. Experts concluded the prevalence and severity of mental disorders presented by the asylum seeker and refugee population on the Midas Island is, quote, extreme. 83% of asylum seekers and refugees surveyed on Nauru suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder or depression. Riots, fights with security guards and local residents, incidents of self-harm and suicide attempts were on the rise. Um, Just trying to pick out the the most important things here. Um, in January, an asylum seeker was charged with raping a young local woman on Mainus Island. The incident raises, according to the victim's aunt, a serious problem as to how detainees are relating to local people on the island. They don't know our cultures and they don't respect the women here. They do not, they they, they do anything they want. They are roaming here looking for women and getting these small girls to have sex is not something the people of Mainas would like to see. Another asylum seeker was arrested and charged with the rape of a 10-year-old girl. As reported in January 2017, police on the island said at least seven men had been arrested in recent weeks for offenses such as public drunkenness and possession of drugs. I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys. This is what we're taking in. It's unbelievable. We don't have to do this. Just say no. Demand that Australia, in return, take in some of our illegal aliens. This is so easy. Just say no. Say, this is ridiculous. I don't care what deal Obama made, but this is a threat. Oh, no, we're vetting them. Vet what? This is the point. If they couldn't live harmoniously with the residents of New Guinea there, I mean, certainly they can't live harmonious with Americans. And by the way, most of them are um, from Sudan, Iran, Iraq, and guess what? The Ryunga in Burma. You're going to hear a lot about that. Oh, they're being persecuted. Look, it's a two-way fight there, and you know these guys are not people who should be bringing in, but we brought in about 20,000 of them the last decade or two, I believe. Um, so that, that's another growing problem here. But anyway, this is the so-called deal that Trump has made to bring these folks in. Um, it's unbelievable. Like I said... I mean, this is another example where Trump says one thing. He bashed the deal. He said it's dumb. He said it's an embarrassment, but he agreed to do it anyway. And by the way, we had to find out from the Australian prime minister. We didn't even find out from our own government that we were starting to take them in. Uh, it, it just it just makes no sense. Makes no sense. But like I, like I noted, we already have our own problem of asylum. Now, let me transition into the general immigration problem we're having this was as of last year according to the dh inspector general ice is overseeing 2.3 million illegal aliens who are released from detention in this country there's 2.3 million illegals known that have been released that are running around this country Um 368,000 have prior criminal convictions as you know many of them don't strike until they strike but these already had something Nearly 1 million already have final deportation orders but have not been deported. Where is the urgency to deport these people and to change our laws and the courts so that we don't have to wait years and years and years and risk losing these people because they abscond in their flight risks and we don't never wind up deporting them? When are we going to solve that before we solve so-called DACA? You know, it's funny, Paul Ryan has this commission he created, the DACA commission, to see what type of deal to forge to give amnesty. Why is there no urgency to study asylum and expedited deportations and the problem with the courts and not enough ICE agents and the absconding and the releasing and the sanctuary city policies, the sanctuary nation policies from the courts? Nothing. You know, last week I talked about the two illegal aliens that, that stole a, a a gun from a San Francisco cop and committed a murder there um really you know eerie eerily similar to the case of Kate Steinley. And you know, they were again people that 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 the San Francisco police apprehended a few months prior. It's the same theme with all these people. they they're usually they're violent people, so they're usually, apprehended by police they come across them either with drunk driving some sort of disturbance drug charges things like that but then of course like you know anyone else that has these things they get they get let go but they're not supposed to be let go they're supposed to hold them for 48 hours so ice has enough time to come and pick them up now of course san francisco being a sanctuary city let them go now, the problem is courts are now saying that that is unconstitutional. The 48-hour thing, not, not, not sanctuary cities. I mean, no, that, that's very constitutional according to them, um, thwarting federal immigration law. It's funny. States can't do anything, but that's the one thing they can do, we're told. But now we have sanctuary nation because basically the courts have said, that the 48-hour detention is unconstitutional unless you have a specific evidence that that specific guy is a flight risk. They're all flight risks. So what happens is they all abscond. They don't show up for their um, deportation hearing or they have a hearing and then they, um, they're let go from detention in between and they disappear and we never get them and then they commit more crimes. There's hundreds of thousands of these people. America has become a dumping ground. So after, in light of that San Francisco case, Um, I know some of you might have seen this, a lot of people are messaging me on this, but another case you have here is from Frederick, Maryland, a rape. You know, we had the Rockville rape last year, Um, and this is the garbage we're bringing in. And and by the way, they're all young, young people. These are your dreamers. Well, Daniel, dreamers, they're not eligible if they're criminals. Yeah, until they commit a crime. I mean, it's usually this is their first time. So don't don't give don't give me this notion that the entire population of of so called dreamers uh, they're they're just like your greatest military veterans amazing people no it's full of violent people that are either tied to MS thirteen or act in that kind of vein their culture is like that but anyway this in Frederick Maryland by the way this is heartbreaking you know I'm from Central Maryland and um. You know, Baltimore, D.C. area, that's that's the basket case. But Western Maryland was kind of the oasis, beautiful, red country, conservative, low crime, lower taxes, just nice scenery in general. You know, you, you could place Western Maryland in the heartland. But in recent years, the city of Frederick has just been blown up. And among many problems it has experienced is illegal immigration. Um, here, I'm reading to you from Fox 5, the local, local Fox affiliate. There are new details about one of the suspects accused with kidnapping and raping an 18-year-old acquaintance as she returned to her apartment in Maryland. Uh, Edgar Chicas Hernandez, 17, and Victor Gonzalez Gutierrez, 19, have been charged in this case, while a third suspect who allegedly filmed the incident remains on the run. According to court documents, Gonzalez Gutierrez was no stranger to police and ICE back in April. The 19-year-old was arrested for failure to obey and resisting arrest after he was a passenger in a vehicle that police were pursuing. Classic example. During the chase, he bolted from the car and was eventually caught nearby. I said Gutierrez was released on immigration bond by a judge. This is back in April, and it appears a court date was set to discuss the potential deportation. ICE insists that all procedures were followed, but Frederick County Sheriff Charles Jenkins, who's a good guy, said this incident illustrates a larger problem. You ask yourself how and why, he said. The reason why is the system is broken, not only the immigration system, but the enforcement in the backside where people have to wait so long for court dates in immigration court. Bonds are set, and the courts know these people will not appear in immigration court to face deportation. Again, the solution is very simple. We need to tighten up our statutes on asylum. We need to... And we need to stop bringing them in. We need to strip the courts of jurisdiction. Um, you know, the EOR courts, the these are immigration courts, the ones that are referenced here. They're controlled by DOJ. Stop releasing them. They're the consummate flight risk. America should never be on hold. That is to say, America should never be on the hook for incurring the liability of an illegal immigrant for even a second. Okay, so if someone comes here and we're not sure where they are and they claim they have a credible fear or maybe they have a way to adjudicate themselves in while they're being adjudicated, they need to be held off our shores. They most certainly should not be released into our communities where they could commit all sorts of crimes. We can't identify them. We can't track them down. And by the time we get a hold of them, it's too late. This nonsense has got to end. But where is the emergency? Where is the sense of urgency on the part of our political class? On the part of even the Trump White House. We need we need amnesty from this. Uh, the American people need DACA, deferred action from criminal aliens. Okay, that, that that's what we need. Let's deal with that first. Let's deport expeditiously the 2.3 million illegals that are being observed by ICE, not really observed, but released from detention. Let's ground those up, and then we'll we'll deal with the best of the best, you know, and give them amnesty. But let's put American priorities first. Which brings me to the final point, and that is the revised travel ban. I know a lot of people are confused what it does, what it doesn't do, so basically... The last six months, we had the initial ban from originally it was seven countries, but then he cropped off Iraq, which was a huge mistake, and now we're bringing them in from Iraq. Uh, So basically, it was what? It was Iran, Syria, Yemen, Libya, Sudan, and Somalia, Um, in both immigrant and non-immigrant visas. And you had all the issues with the courts, and it's, all over the place, for the most part, the Supreme Court has slapped them down, but has the Supreme Court has thus far allowed, keep in mind, they've never ruled on the merits of the case, but they've allowed the injunction of the lower courts to remain as it relates to anyone who has ties to Americans or businesses here, um, which is nonsense. You know, Obviously, the whole thing should have been thrown out immediately, um, and that's what's pending right now in court. So it expired because it was for six months, this was in March or February, and now it's uh, six months later. So Trump renewed it on Sunday. Uh, now the the renewal, it's there's a lot there. it's 12 pages, but but basically the, the key is, the key to understand is it was very politically correct. It was very random, and it's very clear that they're not putting the best interests of America. First, they're putting the interest of foreign governments that they're too scared to stand up to, and the courts. That they're dancing around the lower courts too much. They're too worried about them. And like I said, I mean, it's not even clear the Supreme Court will side with them, at least wait until you lose that, and then also we should fight the courts. And by the way, this speaks to Judge Roy Moore, whom, whom Trump is not supporting. But anyway, as it relates to what he did, so, for some reason, he took off Sudan, which was bizarre because, I mean, especially the Nashville shooting, that guy was a Sudanese uh, immigrant, but whatever. Um, so, he took off Sudan and, for some reason, swapped it out with Chad. Don't ask. That's pretty, pretty random. Um, and then he added North Korea and Venezuela because they want to make it seem like, well, it's governments that we're at war with or enemies with, and there's no cooperation, so there's no data. That's nice, but uh, North Korea, we don't take immigrants from them anyway. <laughs> and if we did, uh, they're probably good dudes. Um, Venezuela, we don't take much anyway. It's, it's a strong man, and so we've never had problems with Venezuelan immigrants. Um, it, it's it's a distraction. And he's trying to say, well, you see, I'm not targeting Muslims. That's nice. Um, but then why Why do Ch- Chad, so Chad is definitely a, is a lot, you know saturated with Islamists there, but so is every country in Northern Africa and the Middle East. So I have an article I'm going to link to in show notes coming out now, coming out today, or just came out actually, just been posted, that I, I list all of the immigrants we've taken, green cards, not non-immigrant visas, I don't have all the data on that, but Green card, um, green cards from 2001 until 2015 from 47 predominantly Muslim countries. No one else has compiled this data. I spent a lot of time with a calculator and spreadsheets just going through DHS data on this. Um, it's 1.8 million I have there, but it's really, I note in my disclaimers there, if you add it up, it's really over 2 million. Obviously, 2016, we don't have the data for that yet, um, or at least most of the categories. So this is from 2001 to 2015. So geniuses, after 9-11, we went and brought in 2 million more Muslims. Oh, and by the way, that doesn't include roughly a million we brought in foreign students. We bring in about 150, 160,000 foreign students from these same countries every year, mostly from you know Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Pakistan. Um, and the point is, you're going to see We don't bring in too many immigrants from Chad. It's about 100 a year. Whereas we bring in thousands a year from Egypt, from Turkey, Pakistan is the most, Iraq, Afghanistan. Notice the countries we don't... And then Saudi Arabia we don't bring in that many immigrants from Saudi Arabia but we bring in 60,000 foreign students every year. These are long-term visas and that's that's a big security problem. One of the 9/11 hijackers uh, was a Saudi student. So um, it's a little bit weird. I mean so the point is this does nothing to to deal with the 800 pound gorilla in the room, which is mass Muslim migration. So so much for that promise. Now I understand the courts is and that but the truth is you know, the Supreme Court has so far slapped most of it down. So to surrender at this point, and certainly, you know, what Trump should do is every country. It's funny reading it, Chad. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of there's Boko Haram there, dude. There's Boko Haram in all the countries where we've taken many more immigrants from, you know, Morocco, Tunisia, um, Egypt. Well, Egypt, you don't really like Boko Haram, but you have all the other stuff there. Um, and then certainly Pakistan. What about them? And actually, Somalia, it wasn't even categorical. It categorically bans immigrant visas. For non-immigrant visas, it says, well, it's stricter um, scrutiny. Now, it's in- interestingly enough, the order says, well, they comply minimally with our you know information sharing requirements. But... It's still, you know, too much terrorism going on there, so we're not, you know, taking in people or we're going to subject to to stricter uh, vetting. That's true of 50 countries. Why are you beating around the bush? Why? Isn't that true of Iraq and Pakistan? Those are the biggest problems. This is such nonsense. I mean, that's the bottom line. But it's very clear that he doesn't want to be accused of being a a racist. And number two, um, he's worried about the foreign governments because we're still treating the Iraqi Baghdad government like an ally. And by the way, this is going to tie in. Watch out for tomorrow. You have the Kurdish um, bid for independence, and we're not backing them. And the Iraqi government uh, is is, uh, beating up on them. Um, We're kowtowing to them. That's all of this is. And wasn't it interesting? Remember Trump told us that we're going to send so many troops to Afghanistan to continue doing God knows what, but then part of his speech was the new strategy is to go after Pakistan, and that, that really resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, that's the source of the problem. What better way to kill two birds with one stone, not bringing Islamists into America and also holding Pakistan accountable, than by saying, dude, unless you step up your fight in terrorism there, we're going to go and cut off visas from your country and green cards. I mean, Pakistan, we've, we've brought in several hundred thousand since 9-11 from Pakistan, just with green cards. About 10,000 more every year in terms of foreign students. That's a huge problem. Maybe one day we'll have our buddy Phil Haney back on, the, the DHS guy who wrote, the former DHS employee who wrote the book um, uh, about how Obama erased all of his databases and everything. He's an expert on Pakistan terrorism, and he'll tell you that that's a huge red flag there. That's probably the biggest one, and that's the country where we have the most immigrants from the Middle East. So Trump figured, okay, I'll take Chad cause nobody lives there. No one, nobody's coming there. Libya, nobody nobody ever comes here from Libya. Syria, okay, so Syria and Somalia he did well, Somalia he didn't fully keep, but Syria fully kept. okay, fine, that's good. Iran, um, oh, and Iran, he kept Iran, but then says, we're bringing in foreign students. I got news for you. We bring in 12,000 foreign students a year. We bring in 100 immigrants from Chad a year. So y- you get you get the sense of what I'm saying. This whole thing is screwed up. The point is, America has become a dumping ground. The point is, conservatives don't know how to negotiate. We're like, well, at least it's something. It's better than Obama. Yes, it's better than Obama, But we could get so much more for nothing. Why are we leaving so much on the table? And I don't have enough time to get to this, but later in the week when we get back to healthcare, it's so fluid now, I'm waiting to see what happens to kind of give over to you my latest thoughts, but the point is, conservatives don't negotiate. We're like, well, at least it's something. Well, start off asking for more. Speaking of which, we need to ask for more. That is Judge Roy Moore. Look to see what happens with that. We got a lot going on. We got the Judge Moore race. We got health care. We got a lot more in immigration. We got taxes coming out later this week. We'll have a lot to say on that. Um, And then, gosh, we have the Kurdish bid for independence. So much going on here. Make CR your one-stop shop, CRTV your one-stop subscription with promo code Horowitz. Um, I'm just about out of time, but (laughs) I barely scraped the surface. Sorry for that. But anyway, remember, America first means America should never become a dumping ground. God bless y'all. Until next time, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.